But uh, let me hop into the reviews. The first one I'll be reviewing is uh, DOA. Rite of Passage. This is the first of the uh, MVD Rewind label. Uh, it's cool. They're kind of they're hopped into the thing and they have like their own niche label. There's some real cool stuff coming. Return to Swamp thing, which is great. I know I had a UK release. It's not a United States release. Black Eagle with Van Damme. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. So they got some cool stuff coming. This one I popped in. You know, I'm not huge on the punk scene. I don't know much about punk music. You know, just your average Joe. I remember I uh, reviewed that Sad Vacation about Sid and Nancy. And this has a lot of Sex Pistols stuff in here as well. This basically follows a documentary, I think it was made in like the late 70s, early 80s, where uh, this guy's captured a lot of footage of uh, uh, punk bands as they grow and get big, and it has a huge part in here where it captures... Uh, the Sex Pistols only uh, United States tour has this fun dynamic in here about the UK punk scene versus the New York punk scene. Uh, you get to see a lot of performances, a lot of crazy stuff. You get to talk to a lot of the uh, uh, fans of it. And you can see that them being young and a lot of them, I don't want to say this, you know, like with this like fandom and this pop culture, a lot of people that become involved with the fandom, they just need something. There's this one guy who threatens the cameraman. He's like, why do you like the lyrics? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I just shut up. Just get out of here. It's like, he doesn't know why he likes it. He just needs to be part of something. And that's what these people kind of are. Uh, when it comes to Sid and Nancy, I really don't enjoy watching them. You know, just two young people destroy their life. I don't, I don't want to say this. Like I said before, I don't particularly feel sorry for them. I mean, you know, you'll, it's like, uh, you play Russian roulette, you know, it's going to happen. It is self-destructive nature. It's hard to feel sorry for him. Uh, the footage is, uh, it's got to be like a kind of a 16 moment. I'm not sure if it was 35. It, it looks pretty cool. It's got that, uh, you know, that vintage look for sure. Uh, it's the first time it's been remastered. It's the first time it's ever been widely released. Uh, there's a nice story in here as well. Uh, there's also an hour and 55 behind the scenes making of, which is beefier than the freaking movie. Uh, they have all the people that are still alive talking about it who are involved with it. And uh, they have stories about, you know, the Sex Pistols and all the people in the documentaries. Like I said, uh, there's also interviews on here but the, the vintage interviews that pop up here and there of like Billy Idols in here it's nice to see that uh, it, it's a pretty cool release for uh, if you if you like punk movies it, it's well worth checking out uh, I think it's kind of interesting I love seeing New York and UK and all those times and my favorite stuff is that the, there's this young kid trying to start a band and uh, it, it shows you not just the famous people just the people that are obsessed with punk as well and uh, it's just really sad it's really a sad sight in the UK that these kids really don't have anything to do and it's just such a difference between the kids from the UK and the New York and it's just like the kids from New York just want to be part of something a lot of them it seems and the kids from UK just don't have much and they're bored and they want to do something so uh, it, it's a nice release I, I'm kind of excited for what they're going to do with these uh, the possibilities are endless they've announced a few uh, I'm excited to see Return to Swamp thing I'm not sure if I've ever seen it I used to watch all the uh, the USA uh, live action show and the cartoon and I'm not a big fan of the first movie but everything else I pretty much dig out Swamp thing but uh, yeah I'm really excited I think I had seen it but it's been years but that's a uh, uh, DOA I'm talking about Swamp thing over here but uh, that's DOA uh, punk uh, documentary made at the time and captured a lot of stuff that otherwise would be lost. It's all dark, just out of sight. I like it for me, but... It's garbage, man. It's better than homework. They urinate on the audience. Very loud. When I saw Johnny Rotten's face, I thought I'd vomit. He's so beautiful. You ever want a breast mastectomy? Just stay in the front, man, because they go wham like this and...
idea that uh, the punk rock scene is born of social protest may or may not be true until they actually learn how to speak and enunciate the Queen's English and put their arguments forward in an intelligible fashion. I shall be quite unable to judge the validity of what they are alleged to think. regressive reactionary philosophy that you can ever ever propagate and the children are the suffering the next one here is from arrow films this is pulp uh, this is by the same director of Get Carter. Uh, I've not actually seen Get Carter, which is terrible, I know. It has Michael? This one has Michael Caine in it, and Mickey Rooney, and Art Letary, and uh, you know some other familiar faces. I put this in, and this is a very, very weird movie. Kind of one-of-a-kind, kind of bizarre, different. Um, we follow this writer. He's a ghost writer sometimes. He's a writer. In this one, he gets hired to write for this uh, this mobster who is like this famous actor from Mickey Rooney. And his life is his, uh, film life blended to his real life. And he has organized crime. And he wants him to write his life story. When he gets there, he realizes something's up. Something's not right. Somebody trying to knock off Mickey Rooney. Somebody trying to knock him off. Or somebody trying to knock them both off. And he, he gets involved. I know, but this movie plays as, as kind of a broad comedy. There's In the very beginning, there's like four or five cars accidents it's supposed to be funny it feels like a naked gun movies at times uh and there's narration and the narration it never connects to what he's actually saying he says there'll be five dead bodies but there's six at the end i was wearing a navy suit but he's wearing a tan suit it, it shows you that these writers kind of embellish things and not everything that he's saying is fact and uh he's also trying to write this book here and there with it uh art Letary, it's a great role in here uh there's a really there's a scene in here that had me actually laugh out loud i thought it was great um 
when uh, the bedroom, the rooms get mixed up, and he's been kind of uh, thinking Art Luteri is onto him, and Michael Caine starts, uh, you know, I know who you are, yada, 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 and uh, the rooms get switched, and Michael Caine walks into the room at the hotel, and he realizes that it's taken, and Art Luteri walks down the stairs, and he says, what are you doing here? He's like, I think they, you're supposed to be in 313, and he's like, well, how? what kind of mistake did this happen? And he's like, this isn't supposed to happen, and he says something about that, he's like, I'm sure you say that to all the young boys, or something like that. When he came out of the shower, the way it's put, the way it's done is just really funny. But, uh, you know, Art LaTerry was in stuff like Mr. Majestic and uh, The Getaway. Didn't live too long. Had some really memorable roles, though. Michael Caine is, is pretty funny in this one. Uh, kind of charming. Uh, all in all, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, to be honest. I think that it's interesting, and I think that a second viewing would let me know if the shortcomings are on purpose to uh, kind of embellish the narration and story, or if they're done kind of just sloppily narrated over. But I'm pretty sure they're done to kind of add this weird element of false falsity to it. Uh, it it's inter interesting movie. Uh, there are some interviews with the director on here and a couple other interviews as well. Uh, Mickey Rooney gives a great performance. He's wild. He's full of energy. He's very very funny. He's, uh, you know, guys, Mickey Rooney is tiny. So when he's very aggressive and angry and violent here, it's, it's, it's quite hilarious. The movie is a comedy. It's just a very bizarre kind of like spy writer comedy thing. Uh, it looks pretty good. I not had seen it. Uh, I've not seen it and it's made after get Carter. So it's a different role for Michael Caine. Uh, it's worth checking out, especially if you watch a trailer and you think it, it looks like it's something up your alley. I not heard of the movie and uh, I'm not upset. I saw it. I think it's pretty cool, but I didn't absolutely love it like I was hoping to. I'm not paying a good money for you to shut up your big fat ass and go to sleep. But don't stand so close to me. Oh. And Kane and Klinger and I enjoyed working with each other and we decided we'd like to make another film together. That was one of those clever ideas that he came up with during blocking and Mike loved it and we did that, but of course when it came to shooting it, he'd forget. The next one here is Frames of Fear. This is from Sub Rosa uh, Films. And uh, yeah, this popped in. I, I, I'd known some of the directors. I believe Brad Twig was on here. I, I just know them from Facebook here and there. They make independent movies. This is an anthology. Uh, and it's super dirt cheap, super low budget, and pretty much self-aware. Kind of like, we're making this shellacky movie. If you like it, you do. If you don't, sorry. There's like five or six different stories on here. Let me go through the stories. Uh, the wraparound actually features uh, George Stover in kind of a uh, you know, Crypt Keeper style thing, and that's played completely for uh, jokes. The boom mic falls in once. There's absolutely no set. It's just a backdrop, and every time he looks at the camera, and will look at the camera from different angles on purpose, and they're doing that on purpose because they have nothing to cut away to, so they'll look into every scene and look back into every scene. It gets very annoying, but it's purposely dumb and supposed to be like that. Uh, they even play the gag where he puts in the wrong tape, and there's nudity, the shoehorn nudity in there. George Stover's fun. He's having fun. It's dirt cheap looking. It, it's stupid. It's supposed to be. Take it as you want. Uh, the other shorts in here, uh, some of them I didn't particularly like, some of them I did. They're all full of nudity of all different shapes and sizes in here. Uh, one of the shorts I loved was the one uh, I thought didn't love. I, I guess it was I really enjoyed was the one where these uh, two uh, video gamers, it's kind of the video game horse and where something like Brain Scan or even maybe Evolver, if you want to count that, not necessarily a video game, Virtuosity, whatever. But uh, these guys get this new game and it's supposed to be crazy. And they put on these 3D glasses and uh, they go inside the game and there's a killer there. Uh, it's called Unholy, uh, I can't remember, but it, it's the best of the bunch, I think. 
and the the shorts uh and the killer gets out into the real world uh it look it has this you know like this low quality lo-fi two-bit quality to it or, or the 16-bit low quality to it um what if it's 16-bit? There are 3D. So it's like a more of an com- old computer game. looks really kind of like, not Jimmy Screamer Claws, but sort of. Uh, it's really fun. It has a lot of imaginative stuff in there. Uh, there's also a short on here about these two girls that refuse this British pervert. Uh, he rapes them. They kill him. Pretty straightforward stuff. Really sleazy. Uh, not necessarily pleasant. Done in kind of a found footage uh, format. There's one about a slasher housekeeper one. This one's uh, pretty, pretty abysmal. It has a lot of zany, silly characters, and it's that type of deal. A lot of throat slashing. Um, what else is on here? There's one about uh, uh, Evil Tape. I remember that was going around. There's a lot of these movies with the Evil Tape, like uh, the one by uh, Wild Eye, which was video. I can't remember. Uh, House of Cuckoo Clocks, which is based off the Last House of Dead End original title. That one had that lost tape. It's kind of like that. There's also one of those segments in uh, uh, High 8, and that's kind of like this one. It's all played a little bit goofier, played higher for laughs. Uh, these guys find this, these VHS nerds, so it's really niche, really, uh, you know, you'll get it or you don't. They find this VHS, they put it in, and of course you're going to get killed if you do it and what happens they get killed uh there's one about a wrestler who slashes and hacks people and and he uses one-liners from wrestling if you like wrestling you might like it i thought the acting was from the wrestler guy was just a little bit subpar for me uh and and, and a lot of it was subpar that one was probably one the second weakest one but there's a couple in here that are fun a couple that are silly uh the final one in here is uh with a ventriloquist uh that's okay i guess oh no it's 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 an anthology i like one or two of the shorts the rest i probably i didn't really care for but if this sounds like something uh you enjoy it is it is fairly long i think it's close to two hours long and there's only a trailer for the special features so uh if it's something you'd enjoy there's a couple of these coming out i do like to see independent directors make movies uh didn't love this uh didn't really like it but there's a couple shorts i did like and uh the thing with an anthology is someone might like some stuff out of here check out the trailer you'll you'll know if you liked it or not i did love the one with the video game though or like like i said welcome once again to frames of fear Next one we have here is from Vinegar Syndrome. This is a uh, pickup. Vinegar Syndrome is pretty great. Uh, love their stuff. They do a great job. Or what is this one called? Pazuzu as well, aka Pazuzu. This is a weird movie. This is like a a sex film, but it's not necessarily a straightforward just exploitation sex film. It's a little different. Uh, we have these three characters, these two girls. One seems to be really spiritual into kind of like this weird, uh, you know, tarot cards. I don't want to say weird, but the tarot card thing, uh, spiritualism. And one's like a big free spirit. They end up hopping in this RV with this guy and going cross country. Uh, they get trapped in the Everglades. They don't seem to mind. Uh, and sex ensues. But that's not necessarily all that's going on here. The guy's driving the RV across country. He's not supposed to. He's supposed to get there ASAP. His sweaty boss keeps calling him and yelling at him. He doesn't care. These guys are kind of like hippies. And uh, what happens is they they have sex and they discover some things. But what's cool about the movie is they have flashbacks. All three of the characters have major flashbacks. And two of them in particular, the the women in here. And it's strange because one seems kind of like uptight and different and, uh, you know... uh, Real has her has her ways she follows and does these things, and the other one's more free spirited. And what happens is pretty tragic, pretty exploitative at the end. Uh, we have the girl who is uh, you know into the spiritualism, and she's a little you know cl- you know distant from other people. You find out what happened to her at a young age, and it, it's pretty sad. We have the free spirited girl who had this uh, you know 
great thing happened to her. You know, just a typical, you know, love story when she was young. And uh, it, it kind of backfires her, backfires at her because an action she did, these horrible people do something terrible to her. And it's strange to see that these people, and at one point, it's almost like they completely switch. Like, when they were free... Uh, they got punished for being like free. I don't know if it's a statement to saying that, you know, when the women, are, you know, embrace their sexuality, they're punished for it. I'm not sure. And, and it's not a, like saying they deserve it. It's just kind of sad the way they do it. They portray it that way. There's some really beautiful scenes in here. There's a scene where the, it's a flashback where these like two young kids find love and the way they do it is really sweet because it, it's it's kind of perverted at the same time but the kids the the, well, the kid in the scene he plays it really awkward he does a really great job and in the commentary you realize he was just some kid they were like you want to be in a movie we're not going to tell you what it is and they kind of like threw this girl at him very bizarre but uh it worked really well they have a, some nice shots with like the swing going underneath some erotic shots like that uh it is bizarre though like the spiritualism and stuff in there and the ending's super downbeat and dark uh kind of a unique film uh there's an interview with the director like i said there's a bonus film on here as well which i didn't get a chance to check out but by the director it's, i believe it's his first movie the director's very very old but the commentary and he he's he's witty he's sharp still the commentary was funny talks about the movie how much it cost how long it took and joe rubin narrates it well not narrates it but talks to him on the disc uh like i said there's also an interview on there it's, it's a strange film i'm not sure if i loved it but it has some interesting moments and these weird uh kind of surreal moments all at the same time i'd say check it out especially if you like this kind of thing check out the trailer i want you to touch me touch me the birds, cute and wild, innocent and uninhibited. She had a love affair with life. Carol was an earth child who trusted too many too far. The open road and invitation Want to get high? Sure. I'd love to. An invitation to turn on the world. Get in, kids. There's always room for one more. turned into the longest ride of her life. The next one here. This is kind of weird that I'm talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it. Red Dawn by John Milius. Yeah. This is, uh, never saw Red Dawn. 
This is uh, 84, I believe, or is it 85? Uh, I like John Milius. I love Dillinger. That's probably the reason I really wanted to check it out, and the cast. Uh, it has like the big names like uh, C. Thomas Howell, Charlie Sheen, Patrick Swayze. Uh, those aren't the ones I'm really interested in. I'm interested more in the Ben Johnson, the Frank McRae, the Harry Dean Stanton that pop in, the Powers Booth. I like those kind of guys. They're all in this. Uh, they give pretty good tr uh, performances. And uh, this movie has one of the most uh, intense openings of any 80s movie ever. It doesn't feel like your typical 80s movie. Uh, it, it feels pretty dark, especially the openings. Very paranoid, very uh, intense. Uh, basically, it's the end of the Cold War. The Russians and all uh, the other communist countries have invaded uh, middle America, and they take over this small town with a lot of casualties in the opening. And what happens to the school teacher is one of the most daring, crazy scenes ever. It really sets the tone for the movie, and it's really hard to, for it to top that moment in the movie, which kind of hurts it, I think. Uh, it's a fairly long movie. There's lots of good action in here where these uh, kids ended up uh, becoming escaping into the wilderness, and uh, Patrick Swayze and his brother and all these other kids with Charlie Sheen, they have to survive, and uh, along with the help of a paratrooper or a Green Beret, whatever he is, falls from the sky, powers booth, they have to try to take their uh, town back. Um, there's some really good moments in here. There's some good emotional core. Uh, ben Johnson gets to play kind of the sentimental old guy. Harry Dean Stanton has a, a great performance behind uh, the cage when him and his family confront him and talk to him. He says, avenge me, is really weird at the end. But uh, that, that that intensity in his eyes is, is really pleasant to see. And there's some beautiful moments in the movie. When they line these guys up, it reminds me of The Great Escape. If anybody's seen The Great Escape, when they line them up at the end to shoot them. Uh, in this one, they decide to sing a you know, patriotic song. And it's just one of those things where you're just like, kind of get teary-eyed. It's a really great moment. Uh, William Smith also plays one of the, uh, the Russians, which is really cool to see. I didn't get a chance to watch his features, but there's a bunch of them on here. There's a, there's a making of, which I started watching. It's like an hour plus. Um, it, it's a really interesting movie. Uh, I liked it. Didn't love it. Uh, I know it's vastly popular. It's got a great cast, uh, and there's a lot of intense, uh, performances in here. Um, but I feel that it does go on a little too long, and there's a lot of war montages that I love that kind of stuff, but it also feels like it kind of wears out its welcome to a little bit. I love those uh, personal moments, like the conversation with Harry Dean Stanton, those performances, and uh, the lineup uh, of the guys singing the song, and the opening is very intense and very great. Uh, I, I think it's worth checking out. John Milius, you know, he, uh, uh, the person who's watching it with me said, man, this is like a Republican's wet dream watching this movie, because, you know, the communists come in, and they have their guns, and they, the, the people have, to have their guns, and they have to fight back and yada 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 it's a really cool movie and uh i enjoyed it for what it was i think that you know if i would have saw it sooner before you know it's been hyped up for 20 years i i would have enjoyed it more i did like it though i think it's worth checking out what's going on here my friend this is the emergency broadcast system we are under attack by conventional forces of the Russian army. It is believed the lead waves were disguised as commercial charter flights. Communications have broken down other parts of the country. Large areas of the Midwest may have been overrun. They know who all of you are. They're looking for you. You're 40 miles behind enemy lines. I just want to go home. A lot of people away. Where's my dad, Mr. Eckert? What if love somebody, Andy? I'm gonna die before it happens. They're gonna kill us! All of us! So why should we be different? 
because we live here. Not bad for a bunch of kids, huh? Mama'd be real proud. The next one I watched off Vudu. I think there is a DVD of this, but there's no Blu-ray. I watched it on Vudu and HDX. This is a Big Wednesday, also by John Milius. They were talking about this on Pure Cinema Podcast. I think they said something along the lines of, or they were quoting Quentin Tarantino. They said, this movie... Uh, it's a surfer movie. They said it's uh, too good for surfers. It's, it's the Surfers don't deserve this kind of a movie. Directed by John Milius in 1978. It has William Catt, uh, Jan Michael Vincent, Gary Busey, Robert Englund, Reb Brown. Who else pops up in this one? Uh, the guy Moe's Guns. Uh, Moe's, the guy who plays Moe's from Searchers is in here as well. So yeah, it's got some familiar faces. Uh, it, it follows these three surfers. It's, it's kind of like a, a growing up, coming of life, ta- a coming of age tale. Uh, it, it, and it's got some crazy kind of dark depressing moments in here but some very funny moments as well it's smart about that it, you know it follows these characters you laugh with them you cry with them and then you know you you grow up with them and throughout the movie you enjoy it it, it basically follows the surfers who start off young like you know out of high school uh surfing here and there and then you get they get older and older and they kind of you know fall apart and then they come back together for occasional times uh gary Busey in this movie plays uh leroy the masochist and he's batshit crazy uh during like the party scene in here there's a great party scene and in fact the first hour of the movie is really fun times go times kind of like goodfellas where you have all this kind of like hey we're on top of the world crime whatever you know having great times the second half is just real life hits downbeat you know tragedy strikes and you start realizing you can't be on top forever you know it's with this in this movie with these kids like it's all these fun parties all these great moments and at times there's like a turning point in the movie it, it jumps years and years and this is uh originally takes place in 65 so you know vietnam's coming around the corner so you know some of these guys are going to vietnam and there's a really brilliant scene in the movie where they're supposed to go down and register for the draft and uh if they pass the physical they're going to vietnam so they all they all make, make themselves look either you know homosexual at the time or hurt or blind or crazy so they all do this kind of nonsense stuff to get out of it get out of it that's a, that's a really fun scene uh, like I said there's a lot of fight scenes in here due to the, the party stuff and the big party scene with the fight scene is really great Red Brown's in this movie they call him the enforcer he's awesome he kicks ass uh, and there's a lot of surfing because John Milius apparently was a surfer in real life so not in real life before he was like a film director and I, I'm not sure if Milius served in the military or not either but uh, he definitely knows this is somewhat autobiographical I'm sure of it uh, but the surfing in here it looks damn good, looks dangerous. Uh, they film it really well. The waves look like you know, like a invading army coming at you. Um, and uh, of course, there's stunt doubles for the part. But you do see Jan Michael Vincent surfing here and there. Uh, it's kind of a shame. To, in this movie, Jan Michael Vincent plays an alcoholic, and uh, in real life, I believe he was an alcoholic. And you know, early in his career, when you see stuff like this and the mechanic and other things like that, he's good. He's a really good actor. He's he's like built really well he does a really great job and as it progresses you know he got a bad rep you know for being a crappy actor i believe a lot of people told me i like jam michael vincent and they're like oh isn't he a shitty actor i'm like i didn't think so i mean and you know but you know the alcohol you know kind of 
for him and he ended up being in some really crummy movies but uh it's really great to see gary Busey, this young in here too before his accident and uh he's you see how good he is he's just completely different completely different not that i'm saying he's horrible now but it's just some there's a lot of layers in here and he's intense and fun and although not necessarily a good guy none of them are necessarily good but they're real they feel real and and this movie is fun uh but it, it gets you to like the characters and it gets you to cry with the characters and it paints these real characters in the movie. Uh, you know, it feels like a, a slice of life movie that, you know, branches over these, these characters' life. It leads up to this giant this giant wave to see, you know, these guys getting older and see if they can test themselves against some of the younger guys. But uh, there's a character in here called... Uh, uh, what's his name bear and he he, he he you can watch the movie you can see what happens to him at first he's building all these boards and he seems fairly happy on the beach and then as he progresses in the stages then he's kind of like in the professional lifestyle then he's in just in sham like shams at the shambles at the very end of the movie that that's also interesting to see it's only like seven dollars on voodoo right now on hdx I, I would really recommend checking that out uh i didn't like it as much as john millie's as dillinger but i liked it better than red dawn and uh, it's, it's a really good movie, a really interesting movie that I don't hear many people talk about. And I got to thank Pearson of a podcast for pointing it out or I would have never seen it. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. It'll come again. It'll be a swell so big and strong it'll wipe clean everything that went before it. That's the day this board will be written. And that's when Matt... Jack and Leroy, they could distinguish themselves. It was their time. They were the kings. I can't make it. I can't make it. Sit down. Sharing the great adventure of being young together. Jan Michael Vincent is Matt Johnson, a reluctant hero to a generation that would forget him. Billy Cat is Jack. He was the first to accept responsibility. Gary Busey is Leroy, the masochist, a careful student of the art of being reckless. Big Wednesday, the story of a generation, of every generation, growing up, leaving home, changing. Some marry, some die, some search for a new spot. It's gonna be like nothing anybody has ever seen. Are Jack and Leroy gonna be here tomorrow? Are they gonna be here? I never got a hold of those guys, Bear. They're not coming tomorrow. There's nobody coming tomorrow. It isn't just us. There's nobody else left but us. There's nobody left to pass anything on to. But the three friends will meet again on that special day they waited a decade to face. Now is the moment of truth. Now is the time of decision. And for Matt, Jack, and Leroy, Judgment Day is here. Big Wednesday.
right, the next one here is Brawl and Cell Black 99. I picked up the uh, the Ultra HD. Don't I don't have a player yet. I've been uh, looking at one. I thought I did, but I guess I made a mistake. Uh, I had the upscaling one. But regardless, I watched it on Blu-ray. I'm not going to order a, a HD, uh, Ultra HD player soon. I couldn't remember because I hadn't tried to watch any Ultra uh, players yet. Uh, what do they call them? 4K, 4K disc. But uh, yeah. I put this in. It had a lot of hype because Craig Zeller or Zeller directed it. He did Bone Tomahawk, I think, last year or the year before. Probably my second favorite movie the year after Hateful Eight. Both had Kurt Russell in it. Or was that two years ago? Loved Bone Tomahawk. Can't say enough nice things about Bone Tomahawk. It's a Western cannibal movie. It's like two of my favorite things ever. Both of them done very well and thrown together with a great cast. See Bone Tomahawk. You won't regret it. If you do, I don't know how. But uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Uh, this is a pretty cool movie, crime movie. Uh, the, I'm going to get over my negative first. My first negative is, I, the only negative I really have is my is the color palette. It's drained. It's supposed to be drained. I know it's supposed to look like that. It's a prison movie. It's a crime movie. Don't like the color palette. But this has Vince Vaughn in it. It has Don Johnson in it. It has Jennifer Carpenter. It has Udai Kehran in it. Uh, this movie follows Vince Vaughn. He's kind of a down-on-his-luck, uh, recently-fired mechanic. He's a big guy. He has uh, temper problems. He can fight, but he doesn't like to. And But when he does, he goes all in. Uh, he starts selling drugs to make a better life for him and his wife and uh, a new a newborn, a new coming baby that they have. And, of course, uh, tragedy strikes. He ends up in uh, jail. Uh, he has an ultimatum given to him. His wife and his uh, newborn child, or not newborn, but still pregnant wife and the baby, um, will die or be hurt in a horrible way if he doesn't kill a guy in this place called Red Leaf in Cell Block 99. But he has to be horrible to get there. So that's exactly what he does. He has seven years to serve, and he's got to get in there to save his wife. He ends up doing this, and uh, there's sl some slight twists and turns along the way. But the highlight of the movie is two things. The fighting and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn in this movie, uh, Vince Vaughn's one of those guys that I always like. I, I come from the school where I think most professional actors and actresses are good. I just think that they don't get the chance to show that they're good. Vince Vaughn's always been solid in this movie. He's always been funny. I've always enjoyed him. You know, and he's always in the comedies, old school, dodgeball. A lot of times I'm like a dodgeball, he's just playing Vince Vaughn. That's what I get the present of. Probably not him, but that's just what I get. I always thought he was solid. Always liked him. Uh, didn't love him. This one, uh, he, he turns in a great performance. You can tell by the way he's acting, with the way he walks and everything. He's a He's got an accent. He's got a walk. It's not over-exaggerated. It's not overdone. It feels real. And uh, he's got that, you know, that kind of charisma about him uh, where, you know, he says these sarcastic things and uh, with a complete straight face on, kind of like Judge Dredd or something like that. And I enjoy that. And he does a great job. He's played... Uh, and, and he's uh, emotional uh, in here as well. And if, if he were to overact throughout the movie, it just wouldn't work when he was supposed to be emotional. Great performances. And he's. it looks like he's doing a lot of the own fighting himself. Uh, it, it seems like he knows how to fight. I don't say, well, that guy's... It's not like you're watching, you know... Uh, some some action star who's 75 years old or something, or a guy you don't really think super tough like David Crusoe doing all these badass things. You're watching Vince Vaughn kick some ass, and you buy it. You believe it, because you think he probably could. Um... So the fight scenes in here are great. They're hyper-violent. They get hyper-realistic at times. Uh, you know, head smashing, arms broken. The movie is 2 hours and 12 minutes. It's never boring. It probably could be cut down, but I didn't notice it being long. Udai Kare plays a creep. He does it well. Don Johnson plays the warden. He does it intensely well. Uh, uh, Don Johnson was one of those guys, too, that I was like, eh, I don't really like Don Johnson because I always saw him freaking Nash Bridges. And then as I saw more and more and more stuff like, you know, um, Cold in July and... Uh, 
uh, Django Unchained, I was like, man, he's really good. He's just not getting the roles that I wanted to see him in. And that, that's what I said. You know, most actors professionally are pretty good, pretty great actresses and actors if you give them the right material or they get something good. I mean, not everyone can make a turd shine. And uh, Vince Vaughn does good, like I said. Don Johnson does good. The acting's top-notch. The dialogue is unique. This director has a very unique style about him. I watched the Q&A on here and uh, the uh, making of the movie. The thing about Craig Zeller, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, you can tell he's a movie fan. You can tell he's a movie fanatic. I feel like I'm watching. It's like, that guy's one of us. He loves movies. He's not doing this for money. He's not doing this. And you can tell by his dialogue, the stuff, his inspirations. This guy just... He loves movies. Uh, I didn't love this as much as Bone Tomahawk, which is a five-star for me. This is probably like 3.75 out of five. Really liked it. Might like it more on a, more viewings. Uh, it has balls. It has uh, gore, which not really expected. Uh, lots of fight scenes. Uh, has good bad guys. Good side characters. Almost everybody in the movie is well-acted and is a well-drawn-out character. I'd recommend checking it out, uh, especially to support this guy, because... Uh, I'd love to see what he's going to do next, man. I, I just, uh, I like his attitude. I like that he doesn't, he's not trying to push some uh, agenda. It's just, if the agenda's in there, it's just in there. It's just a matter of fact, you know. It is what it is, and I like that. Uh, I think that a lot of movies now, like, they're just always trying to, what am I trying to think here? They don't care about their aesthetic. They don't care about their story. They're more like, they are trying, like, uh, Brett, Brett at Easton Ellison in his podcast always posted out that these people are trying to put, like, their moral compass into the movies. And I, I don't mind that at all. Like I said, I love George Romero, but it doesn't seem as obvious with George. I like that stuff as long as it's just not so hit me over the head with me. H hit me over the head with me. Hit me over the head with it. And uh, I think that his movies, you know, they're just uh, entertaining. They say they say stuff about drug abuse and, you know, doing the wrong thing. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a morality tale, but... It's not, like, uh, so thick and annoying. It, it's just well done. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Check out the trailer. Every once in a while, I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle's just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principle. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong, and you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. Tell me my business. I do things direct, and I have a system. Won't last Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear, and prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. Uh, next up is the Weekly Western. Let's go. Why not? Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! Say when. Here 
Alejandra, Alejandra Jodorowsky. I never saw El Topo. I know. I've never seen any of his movies. This is the first one. I have Holy Mountain. I have Santa Sangre. I have that box set with the shorts on there. I should watch them. I know. And I'm going to after El Topo. El Topo. Oh boy, oh boy. This one runs, I think, over two hours long. Uh, made in like the early 70s, late, late 60s. And I had never seen anything like this, man. This is unique as hell. He's a Spanish director. It's not necessarily like, it's not a spaghetti western. It's a Spanish one. Uh, it's not like any western I've seen. There's enough creativity. There's enough story points and plot points and uh, stuff in this movie to make three, four good western movies. The movie opens up with these kind of, uh, these these villains. And uh, you think, oh, we're going to have this kind of simple revenge story. Wrong. That's over in 20 minutes. The next segment, uh, we find out that this guy's he's going to go fight these four these four masters of the West to become uh, the ultimate master. And then it feels kind of like a, a Japanese samurai movie. I, I've not seen many of them, but that seems like the storyline of all the ones I've seen, like to go across and fight the masters or Spaghetti Western in itself. And he goes through this journey with this woman that he uh, saved from the village. And uh, this weird, this uh, this other woman comes in, and it starts getting very strange. And he goes through, and he outsmarts all of them by cheating and you know playing trickery and whatnot. Uh, that's really great. And then the very end of the movie, he's betrayed, and he ends up being hurt and living among these uh, deformed people. And he wants to set them free. So he becomes like this religious icon, this god. It's so weird that he be not a god, but he becomes like this symbol in this movie. And he and he goes around and he begs with the other, the other, uh, this other deformed woman who he falls in love with. It's such a strange, bizarre movie. It's super unique. At one point, he abandoned his son in here, and his son comes back for him. Uh, almost all these characters have weird things going on. They have strange things about them. Uh, Everybody's unique. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's got their kinks. Uh, the director actually stars in it. He looks completely different like three times in the movie. Uh, he's great in it. Uh, I really enjoyed him, even though he's not a good person. I thought he did a great job, and I, I, I liked him. I wanted him to succeed. Uh, it's hyper-violent, super-violent, crazy-violent. Uh, there's a scene of a massacred village. There's dead animals everywhere in this one, real dead animals. There's just a lot of uh, you know, sexual stuff and uh, gratuitous stuff. Uh, if you're easily bothered, then man, this is still extreme for today, I think. Uh, it's just a surreal, uh, violent, uh, imaginative, symbolic, uh, crazy, great Western movie that I'm super happy I saw. Uh, I definitely want to watch it again. There's a commentary on here, but it is in Spanish. You have to read subtitles. Really recommend checking El Topo out. If you like Western movies and you like crazy movies, it's the perfect combination. Uh, I love Westerns. And then one of the questions uh, was something, have you ever dug into the weird Westerns? I'm starting to, and that's one of them for sure. But uh, El Topo, well worth, well worth checking out.
nothing to do with it. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. Okay, guys, let's get into the contest. You have to do three things for me. Like the Screaming Toilet Facebook page, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and leave a comment under this uh, the Screaming Toilet website under that uh, under this uh, link. It'll be in the description box for YouTube, and it'll be on Facebook if you follow it there. That's the page. Uh, I'm going to do a couple different things here. If you share this on Facebook, if you share this link on Facebook with uh, in a group, only one only one share though. If you share it in a group or on your Facebook page, I'm going to enter you in twice. All right. So um, you get a chance to win a brand new copy of uh, Scream Factory's Black Christmas by Bob Clark. Uh, and you get a chance to win a brand new copy of Lucio Falci's Don't Torture a Duckling from Arrow Films. So you got to do those things. So uh, let me know. Um, so I uh, hope you guys like those prizes. You know, this is for like the Christmas and New Year's and stuff. And I'll try to get some more prizes. I'd like to do them ever, at the end of every month or every like one in five weeks. So you get some, some, some juicier prizes there, some stuff that you guys actually want. Make sure you share it for two, uh, for two uh, drops in the hat. Uh, if you comment, you get one. Um, okay, also, I also wanted to address if you guys want to review something, uh, also leave that comment, ask a question when you're there, but, uh, leave a comment that says, I want to be entered in, uh, the pick a film, uh, pick a film, uh, say, I want to be entered in the contest. You want to do the contest. I want to be entered in the pick a film. Do both. If you want, it doesn't matter. Also ask a question if you'd like, let me get into the questions. Uh, I, my printer wasn't working, so I had to send the questions to myself. So hopefully this isn't as awkward as it probably is going to look. I don't know why my printer wasn't working but I'm not happy about it. Here we go. Uh, I missed one question from last week. I think it was Matt Bushwell asked, favorite spaghetti western? I think I answered that already. It was once about a time in the west. So um, here we go. John Wilhelm, do you have any movie posters? What is your favorite? I have some. Uh, in, I have I have some that I didn't even hang out, but I have like a Neon Maniacs original, uh, Offspring original. What else is an original up there? uh necropolis uh hard hard rock zombies those are my originals i also have like reprints of zombie ghoulies too uh i really like the um offspring poster and the neon maniacs because all the creatures are coming around the neon maniacs poster so i'll go with that uh nick if you encountered an actual alien which horror film would you show him her it to help it understand better understand human nature i don't know if i would show in any movies oh that's gonna be a tough call Cannibal Holocaust, because I want them to blast us to pieces. I don't know, but Cannibal Holocaust seems like it would show human nature to a certain extent. I mean, there was some understanding in that movie. Uh, also a question by Nick. I saw my first horror film at the age 10. Can I ask you how old you were? Uh, younger than that. Four? Is there such a big thing as being too young for horror? Do you think that watching a lot of horror is detrimental to society? No. I think that, you know, people that are bad eggs, people that have mental deficiencies that are violent, that have those tendencies, are going to do it anyways. They may say the horror movies cause them to do it, but if it wasn't the horror movies, it'd be the popsicle stick. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, some kids may have nightmares, some kids may be a little scarred from it, but I don't think it will make monsters. I think that a monster is created, you know, nature, nurture, not just movies. Uh, Chris... 
Hey Dave, I was wondering if you ever heard of a new movie called Attack of the Adult Babies. No, I have not, but there's a lot of adult babies running around. James Grimmer, since you're into westerns, have you dug into the weird subgenre at all? If so, what are some you enjoyed? El Topo just did. Uh, and we got that. That's the question. It's the that. first one. I don't have a copy of it. I watched it on Vudu. It is It Comes at Night. Yeah, It Comes at Night. Uh, I had heard some things about this one. A lot of people were saying it's more like an art film, less like a horror movie, and a lot of people were upset that it wasn't a monster movie, which, you know, I can understand. But I knew these things going into it. I uh, started It Comes at Night, and... Uh, I immediately felt horrible. It's bleak. It's like a damn nightmare. Uh, it's in the future, or not necessarily future, probably modern times. It's in a, some sort of post-apocalyptic world where there's some sort of cold, and it's highly contagious or a virus that pretty much puts you down, puts you down for the count. This family is living in isolation in a cabin in the woods, and uh, they, they have gas masks and everything. The movie opens up with them having to put somebody down in their family. It's very creepy, very depressing, and this kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. It, it gives us one of the lead characters a lot of nightmares, and a lot of these nightmares are some of the scariest stuff in the movie, and I know that's kind of cheating, but it, it, it directly correlates with what's happening and you know kind of predicts the future in a lot of ways. But uh, the family decide they run into somebody tries to break in their house, uh, and uh, they realize you know they're gonna have to stick their necks out if they want to you know be human and uh, kind of expand you know their way of life, get, have have that guy and his family come back, and then they take a chance. Uh, what happens is a lot of tragedy and uh, a lot of drama and a lot of uh, untrustworthy things going on and uh, paranoia. Uh, Joel Edgerton's in it. He's always great. Uh, he's top-notch. He was in The Gift, uh, an amazing performance in that as well. Um, and uh, he does a great job here. All three of the leads, oh, I guess I'll say six, are all great in it. Um, the disease actually is really grotesque, what it does to people. It makes you sick. But uh, I don't want to spoil what happens or how uh, people start to, you know, die in this movie um but when it when things start to happen and how it happens is it's just terrifying and tragic and i love the nightmares in the movie i love the ending it is super bleak super dark super well made um it's got that you know it's definitely saturated it's definitely depressing looking but without giving too much away i'd really recommend it i guess i'll give some stars on this um i i guess that's what i'll do i i don't typically give ratings but uh you know since they're newer movies i figured why not i would give this one out of four out of four out of five or uh, eight out of ten eight out of ten we'll go with uh that is it comes at night um I don't really have that much to say about it without spoiling it, but uh, it's well acted, well directed. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's a horror movie, more of a psychological, you know, post-apocalyptic thriller, which, you know, sounds like bullshit when, that, when, when you have to describe a movie. It's not a horror movie, but it's this, this, and this. It's like eight things, but it comes at night. Good stuff. I'd really recommend checking it out. Check out the trailer. answers. Do you have any idea what's going on out there? I'm going to try and help you and your family. I want to thank you again for letting us stay here. Just going to run through a few things. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety. The red door. It's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked all the time. <laughs> I have the keys. It's the only set. <laughs> Most important thing. What's he see? It's okay. Just go inside. We never go out at night. 
the next one I'll be reviewing. You can watch it on Netflix now, but I bought it on Vudu. I had heard a lot of good things about it. It's super dark times. Uh, yeah, this is probably actually one of my favorites I watched this week, if not my favorite. Uh, super dark times. Um, I noticed a, a theme with a lot of horror movies that came out this year, or you know, genre movies. You have a lot of kids in the horror. You got The Babysitter, Better Watch Out, It, um, Super Dark Times, uh, Tragedy Girls. It seems like a theme this year. Uh, and then with this Stranger Things, maybe that's thanks to Stranger Things, but I have a strong feeling towards kids in horror movies are actually terrifying because kids don't always make the right decisions. Kids don't have that, you know, I'm just going to drive away and call the police. I'm just going to, you know, settle as like an adult you know they get into trouble because they have more time there's just so many reasons why it's you put yourself in the kid situation and it becomes scary and uh super dark times does that fairly well uh there's this group of friends um it takes place in the time when I grew up, you know, in uh, probably the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, it feels like that, uh, for me at least. Uh, the conversations the kids are having in this movie feel real. They feel genuine. I've had a lot of those conversations with my friends growing up, especially going through the yearbook. Yes, no, yes, you know, doing stupid things like that, just laughing at people in the yearbook. Dead on. It's dead on, and uh, I felt like it was real there. Uh, without spoiling too much of this movie, there's this group of friends, uh, two main friends in here. Uh, they both kind of like the same girl. There's some minor, minor, minor jealousy between them, and uh, one of the friends accidentally does something horrific. But uh, like uh, many people who end up doing something, not many, but very select few that do stuff horrible, uh, they realize that they awaken something inside of them. Uh, similar to John Wayne Gacy, who uh, committed his first murder. After that first murder, he wasn't uh, the same and he had a bloodlust. I don't want to say it with... I probably already said too much. But saying that, uh, that's kind of what happens here. And it becomes this kind of dark, paranoid... Um horror movie where one of the characters is trying to figure out what's going on and uh, some people start to end up dying dying, and maybe it'd be an accident, maybe it's not without giving too much away. I love how this one's shot. It's one of the only movies this year that didn't look like it was drained of every damn color uh, that I saw, which I don't hate movies that do that, but I like colors. This one has nice nice scenery. It takes place in the fall. I love that. I love the interactions. It, it, it's a good movie that it makes these characters funny. It makes them relatable and then you know the shit hits the fan so it feels real. Uh, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Really enjoyed the choice of weapon in the movie. Uh, dug the hell out of it. Uh, really enjoyed it. And at the ending, they decide to show, you know, um, what, what am I looking for? Not the repercussions. I guess the repercussions of violence at the end, you know, just the small things that people don't think about, like those scars, you know, those scars are always going to be there. But, uh, without giving too much away. I'm going to end the review. Uh, check out super dark times. It just got added to Netflix. Highly recommended. Loved it. Uh, maybe four and a half out of five i don't want to get i don't give tens i barely give tens it has to be like a classic but it's probably also a four out of five guys my parents rented that movie true lies i watched that scene where she strips over and over and over silver surfer is the loneliest dude in the galaxy i mean the punisher is pretty haunted you have no idea what you're talking about allison bannister hi would you i don't know i like her yeah, I like her too. He's got a thing for me. I like you, Zach. She's hot! Like Charlie's sister! <laughs> Shut up. Oh my god. Yeah! Let me see that. Give it back. You want it? Come and get it. Hey, stop! Stop! stop. Remember Daryl Harper? I got a call from his mom. Guess he never came home last night. Did you see him at school today? Are you okay? 
There's just a lot going on right now. Uh, the next one I actually do have a copy of. I heard a lot of good things about the Devil's Candy. This is from IFC and Screen Factory. So I popped it in. The Devil's Candy. Yeah. Um, this one. Uh, Follows the story of uh, Ethan Embry and his family moving into a new house. They move into this house. They don't know the past. Of course, um, someone died in the house. Uh, two people died. One person was murdered. One person killed themselves. Uh, it all relates back to their son, who's played by uh, T Taylor, Prue Taylor Vince, who's a tremendous actor, character actor. You see him pop up in stuff like The Walking Dead or Natural Born Killers or Jacob's Ladder or Constantine. Always great. Always tremendous. Has the uh, stigmatism in his eye if uh, people... And, uh, People remember him from that. Um, he has this weird thing going on. He seems like he might be a paranoid schizophrenic, but you're not sure. Uh, you follow him going about town, trying to, with a heavy guitar, playing very loud, saying he got to keep, has to keep the voices out. Ethan Embry and his family are, meanwhile, moving into their his his home, his former home, and uh, something's talking to Ethan Embry. He starts these paintings, these horrific paintings. He's a painter, but something's channeling in through him, and he's making these crazy paintings. Uh, it, it's kind of fun that the killer has this guitar and he's blasting it. It's a way to incorporate like the devil and heavy metal and make it make sense instead of just being like, yeah, metal. And, uh, Ethan Embry and his daughter are also metal heads. So they have this kind of love relationship with metal and, and it's how they bond. Uh, and it's also nice seeing a lead character be a metal head, but not be a stereotypical, you know, just idiot or something like that. You know, he's a real guy. He has a real job. He's real responsibility, not maybe uh, real responsibilities. I like that. Um, and it definitely has that kind of, you know, uh, needful things, um, something wicked this way comes, you give me this, you get that kind of thing going on. Uh, the paintings in this movie are absolutely gnarly. They look amazing. Um, and besides that, I, I don't have that much to say about it. Uh, great, tremendous performance by uh, Taylor Vince, Prue Taylor Vince. Uh, Ethan Embry is a chameleon. He changes completely. Um I like uh, the relationship, like I said. Um, and there's some really uh, twisted child killings in here, again with kids and horror. Um, but uh, it, it's it's good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, I like how they incorporated the metal and stuff like that. I'm not a huge metal fan, uh, but it's one of the movies where I can tolerate metal in it. Deathgasm being one of the other ones, and demons and stuff like that I absolutely love. But Deathgasm is better, I think. But uh, this is a more straightforward, serious movie. Uh, the fire kind of looks a little weird at the end, but it's CGI fire. I don't expect them to really burn people. I believe this is the same director. Was it the loved ones who did this one, or am I, or am I mistaking? Uh, but uh, The Devil's Candy is, is worth checking out, um, especially if you like Ethan Embry, if you like devil-worshipping movies, kind of serial-killing movies. I think it's worth your time. Uh, I, I'd probably give it like a 7 out of 10, somewhere around there. We've come to the place where we joke about the idea of the devil. But that is Satan's lie to distract us from the reality of who he is. And what's going on? It's like it flowed through me. I don't remember painting this. This is mommy and daddy's house. They're dead. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I need to come home now. We are his pawns. We are his demons on earth. He uses us to carry out his unspeakable deeds. We satiate his hunger. Your latest work is wonderfully disturbing. Oh my God. I didn't mean to do this. To sacrifice. He will slither into your soul. Oh, the next one. 
uh, Brandon Mot Motley, I believe his name was, was kind enough to send me over the voodoo code for his mother by Darren Aronowski. Mother, man. Whew. I don't even know what to say about mother. A lot of people are talking about mother. Darren Aronowski did Requiem for a Dream. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Pie. Uh, those are the ones I'm most familiar with. But he also did Black Swan and uh, Noah, I believe he did. So um, The Wrestler. Darren Aronowski's a, a fairly popular director. You know, I guess you'd say maybe a transgressive director. Not sure if he's considered that anymore. But Requiem for a Dream is a vastly powerful movie. Mother is a strange, strange film. Jennifer Lawrence stars in it. And Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. He's great. He's always great. I'm not too familiar with Jennifer Lawrence. You know, I haven't seen that many movies with her in it. Uh, I've never seen the Hunger Games movies. But uh, Mother, where to start? We have this uh, this writer who's Javier Bardem. He's a popular writer. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence is his wife. Uh, much younger. So some people would say trophy wife or something like that. Uh, and he has his childhood home. Not a childhood home, but his home that burned down. And she's rebuilding it for him. So there's this relationship. And uh, Ed Harris shows up. And um, is it Diane Keaton? They end up showing up, and uh, it, it's very strange. Uh, they end up staying there. Javier Bardem's like, they can stay, they can stay. And uh, more and more of these people's life pour into their life, and before they know it, this movie turns into something completely different. Every every 10 minutes, it's something new. It's something different. Um, now, basically, I can only talk about the emotions and may, maybe what some of this stuff meant to me and how it works in the film. Uh, as it progresses, you feel like maybe dating someone who's artistic is something that you feel left out. You, you don't want to give yourself to their fans. You feel lonely or as maybe as a wife, maybe as a female, you feel that your spot in the home is to, to not be the center of attention when it comes to, you know, a, a career. There's all these things here. There's also this thing about, you know, children. It's so hard to explain all this stuff, but at the end of the day, this movie to me feels like it's someone who, when somebody makes something creative, a movie, a book, anything like that, a song, they put their whole life into it. They, they put everything they have into this thing. This is all that matters to them. And if that creation could think back, maybe it can, it could think back and understand what was going on, it would see you and it would wonder why it is not good enough for you. Only it is not good enough for you. That, that these people who love all the other creations and love you for creating have to be a part of it too. That you, that you creating it is not just for you. It's for the masses. If that makes any sense to anyone who's seen the movie. At times it becomes horrifically violent, very aggravating, and Jennifer Lawrence in this movie gives a great performance. You just want to literally strangle people and do what she does. There's a scene after where a baby is born and... Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it turns completely into, at points, you know, is it talking about police brutality? Is it talking about riots? I don't know. Is it? Probably yes. Is it talking about a lot of other things? Yes. Is the main picture at the end of the movie about, you know, rebirth, about something that you have a creating, that this idea is something, and after it's it's been busted open and everybody's got it, it reforms and you have a new idea? I don't know. It's a super bizarre movie. Uh... It's sound design's amazing. I remember sitting there listening to the sound and there's gunshots and stuff blowing up and I'm like, oh my, wow, geez, what's going on? But Mother, uh, I, this is a movie that I wish I would watch with someone so we could bounce these ideas off each other because it's that kind of movie. You need to bounce things on and get all these, these creative processes thinking in your head. Or, or some people probably think it's just a piece of crap and that's all there is to it. I don't. I think it's interesting. I think it's unique and I think it's completely different. Uh, do I love it? I don't know. Do I like it? Absolutely. Uh, seven out of ten. What do they want? God help you.
see me. Come quick! You're insane! You're insane! All I'm trying to do is rain life into this house. Open the door to new people, new ideas. I'm so sorry. You give and you give and you give. It's just never enough. No! The next one here I actually do have a copy of. It is a cure for wellness. Heard some good things about this one. I put it in. It, it's over two hours. It's like two hours and 24 minutes. But when I was putting it in, I was like, come on, guys. If, if Thor Ragnarok, which is a fun, cool movie, or Guardians of the Galaxy 2 can be two and a half hours of Star Wars, why can't an artistic horror movie be two and a half hours? Uh, I put it in. Another theme that I noticed this uh, year was water. Shape of water in this one. A lot of water, a lot of aqua colors, a lot of teal. This movie's drained of all color. Uh, it's supposed to be that way because the water element and the, you know, the cold element of the movie and the characters and whatnot. Um, and the ending is a little bit more upbeat than the color palette would suggest. Uh, but a cure for wellness. Here we go. We have uh, this business guy. He's young and up-and-comer. And, and uh, he's sent. Uh, he basically has something held over his head. He's sent to retrieve this guy who's at this weird uh, spa. And uh, nobody ever comes back from the spa. He's sent to retrieve him because they think he's losing his shit. And he needs to sign some papers to make this giant deal over with. So they send this young guy over. He gets an injury on the way in a car accident. And he's stuck at this spa. But he realizes he's going to try to convince this guy to come back with him anyways. And not before long, he knows something's going on. There's this weird history with the castle, you know, incest, experiments, all sorts of crazy things going on. Almost turns into like this uh, universal horror story back background, which is kind of weird, especially the last 20, 30 minutes of this movie. You're like, man, is this the Phantom of the Opera or something? Like, but um, as, as the story goes on, more things, more things unfold. Uh, within the first 25 minutes, you're like, man, I wouldn't drink that fucking water. Yet this guy, an hour and a half in the movie, even after he finds a bug, is drinking the water. Without spoiling too much, there's a lot of good imagery in here uh, with like eels and creatures. And the, the ending is a lot different than I expected. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, all in all, I think it's a nice mystery uh, horror movie with some, some nice twists and turns and uh, some nice symbolism and whatnot. And it, it looks damn good, although I don't appreciate the whole color palette being that bland. But, you know, it is a blue movie and it is about freaking water everywhere, so I guess it makes sense. It's shot in a wonderful location. They do a really great job about reflecting off car uh, the car windows and stuff, and you can see what's going on through the car window when, when you're looking at the character, looking out the window, and then you can see the reflection of the car. That is a beautiful scene. That had to be hard as hell to do. I love that. Uh, it, it definitely has that creepy haunted hospital thing as well, because this is like a weird spa. Strange characters in it. And, uh... I like the twist in it. I actually think it's pretty cool. Uh, all in all, I think it's it's probably better than I'm giving it credit for, actually, when I think about my rating. But it is two and a half hours long. It does kind of wear out its welcome. I don't want to say that, like, it's too long because, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm a six-year-old who doesn't have an attention span. But uh, it, it is a little long. Uh, but there is some really cool moments as well. And uh, it's pretty damn good, actually. I'd probably do six out of ten, maybe a little bit higher. Like the bile that leaves that bitter taste to the back of our throats. It's there on every one of you seated around the table. Only when we know what ails us can we hope to find the cure. What do you make of that? Clearly he's lost his mind. Our thoughts exactly. We'd like you to go to Switzerland. 
bring Mr. Pembroke back to us. What do we offer here? It's a process of purification away from the pressures of the modern world. Your plans to take Mr. Pembroke back with you? Is that a problem? He's a patient, not a prisoner. You have the cure? No. Actually, I was just leaving. No one ever leaves. Welcome back, Mr. Lockhart. Signs of concussion. Depleted immune system. I would like to recommend a treatment. The next one I'll be reviewing, I watched off Netflix. Uh, yeah, this is The Babysitter. Has the lady from Mayhem in it. Uh, when I saw her, I was like, all right, all right, we're, we're, we're uh, dealing with somebody I really like. The Babysitter. I'm not familiar with this director. I knew that uh, I saw on like social media, everybody's like, I hate that guy, I hate that guy. And this movie really split the audience. I was like, The Babysitter split the audience, man? Uh, this movie is just a blast. It follows this, uh, this, uh, this kind of kid. He's, he's kind of a nerd. He gets picked on by the most ridiculous bullies ever. Uh, the bullies have me cracking up, especially the lead, because it has his own catchphrase. Quah, quah. Every time he does something, I literally cried almost every time he did it. Uh, this movie feels like a comedy somewhat, pretty much a dark comedy, but it's as horror movie as well, or horror elements. Uh, it feels like super bad. A lot of raunchy, silly, funny comedy, but clever comedy, nerd comedy as well, I'd say. We have this kid who has this awesome babysitter, so he thinks. Uh... And uh, he realizes that uh, he, he stays up past when he's supposed to. He's supposed to be knocked out somewhat. And uh, the babysitter invites all these people over. And this crazy stuff begins to happen without spoiling too much. Uh, ritual involved, uh, occult ritual, uh, all sorts of nonsense. All the characters, they do the thing that I hate in a lot of newer slasher or, or homage slashers. Like, I'm the jock. But they're playing, making fun of it. And I don't want to necessarily call this a slasher because it's a little bit different than that. And it's so stylized, so funny. And uh, it sets up tons of things. This movie is great about setting things up. I was watching it with my friend and he's like, I love how they set all this stuff in. It is a predictable movie, but they do make things set up. They set up a bunch of stuff. I was like, and uh, they do it really well. The parents are great in it. Their interactions with the kid are great in it. The kid has interaction, great interactions with everybody in this movie, to be honest. Uh, but it, it's gory, it's splattery, it gets really gross, it gets, not gross, I wouldn't say gross, really bloody and really over the top. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's actually some of the most fun I had in any of the movies I watched. Um, it, 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 it's, it's got great performances. The lead in here is so good, and uh, the relationship between her and the kid is top-notch. This is one that I would put on. As, like I say, mayhem, I probably wouldn't come back and watch again. I would come back and watch The Babysitter because I feel I'd pick up more stuff that I didn't see the first time, and I feel like a lot of the payoffs are really clever. Uh, I think they're funny. It also plays a lot like Home Alone, and it's funny that I say that because another movie has a scene that references Home Alone as well, uh, and the kid ends up having to fight a bunch of, in this one, a bunch of weirdos uh, that that are all kind of different and unique without spoiling too much. Uh, well made for what it is. I, I mean, it's super well made for what it is. It's just a, uh, raunchy kind of clever horror movie comedy, but that's the babysitter. I liked it. It's on Netflix. You can watch it in ultra HD or just regular. All right. Tomorrow night, you, me party. What up, say? Be cause if there's any trouble, okay? Cole, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep? 
the next one picked up called better watch out yeah better watch out uh i had heard about this one moods 22 podcast talked about it. 22 shots of moods podcast talked about it and i had heard some other things uh but yeah this is better watch out uh this is a christmas horror movie i watched this uh let's say about this again the kid element is in here and a home alone reference which happened in the babysitter feels like a home alone kind of style thing but uh yeah what we have here is a strange kid uh, who's in love with the babysitter. The other way around, you know, last time, without spoiling too much. But we have this kid who's absolutely in love with the babysitter. Uh, and she's moving the next day. It takes place around Christmas. Uh, the kid has kind of a weird friend, and it's their only friend. And as it progresses, uh, some strange things start to happen, some creepy things around the house. You know, they didn't order a pizza. Uh, somebody's knocking on the window. Somebody's screwing with them. The girl's also going through a couple relationship problems with an old boyfriend and a new boyfriend. Uh, as the, This is really hard to talk about without spoiling, but um, this is definitely like a good son style thing where the kid is infatuated with the babysitter without spoiling too much and goes through elaborate schemes to kind of do crazy things. Uh, it has some violent moments in here. It can be very aggravating at times. There's a great performance in here by the lead kid. He's just a, a son of a bitch. Uh, and I can't really say much more about it. It's got a nice little uh, Christmas thing going on. Uh, and that's all I can say. I feel terrible about it because I just watched this one more recent than the other ones. But it's interesting. It's good stuff. Uh, the relationship between the kids is uh, is all right as well. Uh, and it's this movie about a sociopath, big time. Or at least a person who's going to become one big time. And uh, like I said, it incorporates good Christmas stuff. And that's all I can really say. I like the performance by the the uh, the baby the babysitter in here as well. It's really creepy. A lot of stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh, and aggravating. It's aggravating and uncomfortable, but also slightly funny at times. Uh, and a little demented. Definitely dark-spirited in its way, but uh, that's better watch out. Uh, check out the trailer. Want a trigger in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's gonna happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? What the fuck? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. The next one is The Girl with All the Gifts with uh, Patty Constantine and uh, Glenn Close. This one is a zombie movie. Everybody's like, zombies? I like zombie movies, you know, always have, always will, don't care. Uh, this one's a little unique. I believe it's based off a graphic novel, so I don't know how much to say about that. I have not read the graphic novel, so I'm coming in clean with just no, no, no predetermined uh, opinion about the movie. It's in the future, of course, it's a zombie movie, post-apocalyptic, and um, we're following all these young kids who um, 
are carriers for this strange disease, but they're not exactly the zombie, the fungal zombies outside. Love the idea that it's a fungus that did it. Fungus can be very scary. Fungi, I should say, can be very scary. It's very different. We, I feel like I don't know much about it. That means probably a lot of people, not that I'm saying that I'm just like everybody, but a lot of people probably don't know a lot about the fungal properties and the idea that it comes from something on Earth or it came from space and it's fungal. You don't really know. It's creepy. And uh, it gets into their brain and it turns them into zombies. But some of these second generation people that, people that were pregnant with the kids, the kids are not necessarily the same. They, they're smart. They can think. They feel like real humans. But if they get a whiff of an uh, animal or a human, they go nuts and they can spread the virus. So this is what happens. They're in this kind of school where all these kids are being taught and um, they're kind of being experimented on. And that's what I'll get to. Of course, Glenn Close is the leader of the experiments. Patty Constantine is a soldier in here, a sergeant. He's always great from Dead Man's Shoes and uh, at World's End. And uh, the lead girl in here, Melanie, tremendous. She's she's high, she's a little bit smarter than the other ones, and uh, she does a great performance as well. What happens is the uh, walls fall of this base, and they have to run out, and Melanie ends up going with one of her teachers who they have a fondness for each other, and they end up on the road with a couple of soldiers and Glenn Close. Glenn Close... Uh, wants to do some experiments on the, the little girl and that's and the her teacher doesn't want it to happen. Patty Patty Costine and his men are just out there to survive. And at first he's very cold and distant, but you start to realize there's more to the guy. Uh, they run into all sorts of trouble. Uh, it's really cool the fact that the zombies here are fungal and they freeze and they stay still and they have this this scent that people put on to, you know, keep the zombies off them so they don't get a whiff of them. Uh, I, I'd say, like I said, um, it's cool that Melanie can go around because the zombies won't attack her and she leads them all and helps them to find different ways and kind of earns her trust among the people. Uh, <laughs> she, and it's also great, her character, because she doesn't understand everything and she's always constantly learning throughout the movie. And uh, she'll be compassionate to like a human, but then she won't care about a dog. She'll take a dog and then just like throw it in the horde to cause a distraction, stuff like that. Um... Uh, I would recommend checking this out, especially if you like zombie movies. I think it is a fairly unique uh, approach to the zombie genre. It's pretty big, uh, and there's a couple things that go on in here that I enjoyed, I thought were cool. Uh, the fungus aspect is probably the most different about it for its zombie films. Uh, there's some CGI blood splatter that I'm not a big fan of, but there's a couple moments of really nasty gore, especially after after the fact that it happened. It shows some of the dead bodies, and they're completely freaking mangled. I like that. Um what else happens in here besides that I, I don't have too much to say without spoiling it glenn close uh great patty constantine great uh the lead girl i can't think of her name she's also tremendous i like the idea that uh you have to take care of these kids but you can't get too close to these kids because they have a capacity to kill you uh, and then and uh, i guess in the end patty constantine was right when you see what happens but uh, uh girl with all the gifts uh don't let it scare you away that it's a zombie movie uh it's a good movie it's better than world war z i like world war z but you know it's a solid movie has it has some good moments and uh it doesn't feel overly long or anything like that either and it, i think it approaches at least a almost a 2 hour mark it goes by pretty quick it's pretty good stuff uh 7 out of 10 <laughs> Shine, come on up you get. Transit. Hello, Dr. Caldwell. Hello, Melanie. Morning, class. Good morning, Mr. Once upon a time, there was a woman. 
the most beautiful and amazing woman in all the world. No! You just touched her. Watch. No, please don't do that. They're only children. She was attacked by a monster. But then a girl came running up and killed it. And the woman said, Melanie! You are my special girl, and I'll never let you go. She saved me, and you're still afraid of her? Yeah, and you should be too. I am producing a vaccine and she is the main ingredient. What am I? Hope. That's what you are. I just want to live. Everyone wants that. She loves you. What the hell is this? The world is falling apart. Yeah! You can save people, Melanie. You can save everybody. What did you do? The last one I watched on Shudder, it was Sam Was Here. I had heard a little bit about this one, didn't really know much about it. I actually started and I was like, did I hear anything about this one? And as I was watching, I was like, I heard somebody talk about this one. So that's about all I had to. Sam Was Here follows the story of a guy who's selling like insurance. I don't know what he's doing, but he's a he's a door-to-door car salesman or something like that, uh, traveling salesman. And he's in this isolated town. He can't find anybody. This guy's haunted. You can tell there's something wrong with him. He's not right. The only thing that's around is this radio show that keeps telling him, uh, you know, uh, they're talking about the serial killer that's going around and killing people and how if people call in and they say, it's not like it used to be, man. You can't go anywhere anymore. People can't be trusted. And they all agree. And, and this guy just keeps driving and driving. He's trying to get back home. He's trying to call his wife and his kid and he can't get a hold of him. He has a teddy bear for his kid. And then he soon realizes everywhere he goes, he leaves this little thing that says Sam was here. And uh, before he realizes what's going on, you know, you kind of understand that something's up. Is this guy crazy? Is this guy the killer? Uh, but there's something that ties in with the radio. Is the radio manipulating everybody? You don't really know exactly what happens here. But uh, soon he ends up having these uh, aggressors towards him and he has to defend himself. But you don't really know if everything he's seeing is what he's seeing. I don't want to spoil too much. It, it's fairly, you know, something that a lot of people have seen. The soundtrack is by a band called Christine, which is obviously a shout-out to John Carpenter. Sounds a lot like Carpenter. And uh, you know what? The first 30 minutes of this movie is very isolating. Almost nothing happens, really. It sets the whole movie up. Uh, the end of the movie is crazy. It's weird. And uh, it's one of these movies that I, I want to see again to determine exactly what I think happened. It's worth checking out, for sure, especially if you like these kind of uh, desolate, isolated movies. And the color palette's not blue. You know, at least it's in a desert, so that helps. But... um it's probably why I like Western so much. You know, I don't like that Christopher Nolan, you know, uh, hey guys, it's it's either, you know, sun rising or sun setting only. But uh, yeah, Sam was here. Pretty cool stuff. Has a couple moments that are pretty graphic. Uh, it's kind of a mind screw, but nothing, uh, nothing as big as the evil within. Not that big of a mind screw. But uh, check out the trailer. Anyone there? Hi, my name is Sam. Sam Corbett's calling. I just don't feel it's, it's worthwhile operating in this area. 
haven't managed to meet a single person. We interrupt this program. Little Cindy, who disappeared last week, still missing. Rita, I don't understand what's going on. Can't wait to see you. Hello. Who is this? The killer's name is Sam. I repeat, Sam is the killer's name. This killer you're talking about, he's murdering family. Hey guys, as I said, this is the first uh, guest spot review. All four uh, reviews are going to be Jeremy this time. Uh, he's watched all these movies with me. Uh, I watched like 13 movies, so there's no way in hell I could have watched these all by myself. So uh, the first one we will be reviewing or talking about is The Shape of Water uh, by Del Toro. We saw this in the theaters. I figured Star Wars didn't need my money, but Del Toro probably did. Uh, what'd you think of this one? I, I mean, I'd still go see Star Wars. I would too. I but... thought that this was an amazing movie. Possibly the best El Toro. No. Yeah. I mm, think so. I don't know. Pan's Labyrinth's actually a better film. Pan's Labyrinth is my favorite film of all time. It's actually legitimately scary. Um, Shape of Water was incredible. Let me get down to the description. Basically, yeah. uh, The Shape of Water is a... I guess it's in the 50s. Uh, it definitely feels like that kind of Cold War. It's definitely a Cold War thing. The Russians are still the bad guys in this one. We have a cleaning lady who's uh, a mute. Something happened to her at a young age where her uh, vocal cords were damaged. She uh, cleans this uh, military or, I guess, government facility, and they bring in this strange creature uh, that has to stay in the water. It's aquatic, a creature from the Black Lagoon thing. Uh, she has an obsession with water due to her uh, past life and everything. Everything about the, the girl is, is drawn to this creature because of the water. And, uh, of course, the government is bad they want to do experiments on the creature and eventually uh you know get discarded uh the russians are also after the creature so this uh creates this weird uh spy espionage storyline as well uh but deep down inside uh shape, uh shape of water is a love story that's what's going on it's a love story and i think the reason why they're after the creature in the first place is we're going through the whole space race thing yeah and this creature can breathe in the water and for a limited time on land and we're like okay if we can understand how this breathing mechanism works we can put a guy into space the only time the government cares about <laughs> science is when they can beat russia in the 50s apparently so that's what they're going at here uh there's a lot of good characters in here the best part about shape of water for me is the production design within the first five minutes i was like this is a gorgeous movie the set designs look great they look as far as i can tell they look like they're supposed to from the 50s uh, and there's lots of, you know, a lot of, uh, like water and like, I not just say like everything shot to look like water and make it look wet and damp. It's, it's really great in that aspect as well. Like it's a really colorful film. Yep. Um, Teal has a huge, like predominance in the film. Like it's in like various objects and, and I don't know if Teal was a big color in the fifties or not, or whatever time frame this takes place in. Um, and like all the background characters, like the opening shots of the movie, are just um, the main character. Is it Eliza? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She. She. You know. She's walking. She's going through her daily routine, and there's just like people in the background that are just going about their lives, and, and they're like, perfect. And, and the, yeah, they're perfect. You know, and just everything, just like it sets this up like really charming, but at the same time, very like lonely like setup. You know, like she's surrounded by people, yet she doesn't interact with any of them. 
until she gets to work. And even then, she only has one or two friends that she actually yeah. interacts with. She only has one friend in her life outside of work, uh, Richard Benjamin, who's a great character actor. He popped up in Bone Tomahawk, Cabin in the Woods, uh, a slew of other things. He's tremendous in this movie. Uh, he plays a homosexual character, but he's not... Uh, too big of a stereotype. I wouldn't say he's really a stereotype at all. No. I, I, th- I think that's great. And he's very vain about his appearance because he's getting old and, uh, you know, missed opportunities, missed love, stuff like that. And that plays into the fact where Eliza wants to, you know, take this chance with this creature. Uh, Michael Shannon is the bad guy. He's always great. He's really intense. Uh, I haven't seen a bad guy this long that I was interested in, but also wanted to punch in the face so bad. He's intimidating. He's scary. Uh, this movie's also great about, you know, a lot of new movies, um, especially the Marvel movies, which I enjoy. Like I said, they're popcorn movies. They don't know when to shut up the humor. It doesn't have to be funny every second. It ruins tension, stuff like that. And uh, this one has the right amount of uh, comic relief at the right times and the right characters doing it, even including some of the bad guys. And, and, and Michael Shannon's not a funny guy. But stuff happens that involves him that's funny because he's not a funny guy, if that makes sense to anybody. Not everybody has to be... Iron Man or Chris Pratt or somebody comical. And that's why this this movie works, the comic timing and everything. It has the right amount of comedy. And uh, like Del Toro's movies, which I've heard people say, it took me out of it. I, I Del Toro, I think, is a good person with a good heart. Not saying that people that don't do this aren't. But uh, when violence happens in Del Toro's, it feels grounded, it feels real, it feels graphic. And uh, when people die in his movies, good and bad and different, you're not supposed to feel good. You're not supposed to cheer. Uh, like Crimson Peak with the old man in the bathroom. It's horrible. It's just gratuitous. And then Pads Lamberth with the, the, what was he, a colonel or general? Yeah, I always forget his name. But when he shoots that uh, little kid, it's it's horrible. And then and then Devil's Backbone with the bomb. There's lots of stuff in Del Toro's movies in Mimic with the kids. It, it's always terrible, and that that happens in here too. It's not as it's not extreme when people die here, but uh, it, you feel it. I yeah. would say. Yeah, this is it, it's very. Um, the narrative is is very simple in this movie. Um, it has a lot of style. I, I felt like when I was watching it that it was very similar to Pan's Labyrinth, um, in terms of like like character layout and like uh, maybe possibly plot structure. You know, like you have like a very personal story with Eliza and like her wanting to find somebody like her, and then you have like the larger story of like a war that's kind of like beyond any of the characters' real yeah. control, and so they're just kind of doing their part. Like nobody is truly evil in this movie um there's people that make possibly poor decisions um but what was that what was the villain's name in um it? his real name is michael shannon michael I, don't, shannon. I don't remember his real name i don't remember there, but yeah this movie's great about setting everything up too some of it some people think's obvious I, I didn't think too much of it was too obvious to be annoying but they set a lot up a lot of it pays off uh the brand new car uh the fingers uh geez that's pretty gross as well a lot of it pays off you like all the characters. It's it's entertaining. I enjoyed the score as well. It's a little different. Uh, it's a spy movie. It's a love movie. It's a universal horror movie. More love than a universal horror movie. I mean, the creatures isn't even as scary as it would be in like a Frankenstein. But uh, the creature looks like Abe from the Hellboy movies. Um, but he's definitely a creature, a creature from the Black Lagoon style character. Uh, and the relationship between her and the creature is great. It also has nudity and implied sex, uh, bestiality, but it's not done in a sleazy way. It's done in a very charming and lovely way, which is very strange to say. And I'm not used to watching movies where they would tackle bestiality as a, you know, a love story. But, you know, it happens. It's not like Lebete or something like that. Uh, but that's all I have to say about The Shape of Water. I'd give it a thumbs up. I think it's one of Del Toro's best movies. Uh, I would say that it feels like, um, it feels a lot like Crimson Peak. It feels like a lot like Pan's Labyrinth, but more fantasy-based. I get No, not Pan's Labyrinth, but then, uh, 
than Crimson Peak. It's not as mean as Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's sweet. Uh, And it's probably his nicest movie. (laughs) What I'm thinking of all his movies, like... I'm not. I haven't really seen the Hellboy movies, but I know the designs and stuff. I've seen all his other ones. I think uh, it's probably his most sweet movie, I'd say. But uh, hats off to Richard Benjamin and uh, the lead actress and Michael Shannon. They're all tremendous in it. Everybody in the movie is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her friend's name? She's great as well. She cracks me. Oh, up. Delilah. Vic, Vic, I think that's her middle name. But uh, yeah, 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 she yeah. was amazing in it. She, yeah, she's top notch. Yeah. But uh, there's also. Uh, and I, I can say this about Del Toro, comparing him to Romero, when there's like social issues in his movies, he's not one to be like, I'm going to bash you over the head with it. Now, you know what? And maybe he is to other people. Maybe it comes across that way. But like I said with George Romero, although they seem obvious sometimes to me, I never am annoyed by it. When I can see somebody that's shoving it down my throat, it's annoying. But in this one, they have this moment where uh, this this guy's in a the, the pie shop and this African-American couple walk in and he's talking nicely to this guy and this African-American couple walk in and like, you guys guys got to go and it's just like sets things in well dustin said when he said that really put things into reality again from a fantasy movie and he's correct about that i agree mm-hmm. but i i'd say check it out it's great stuff yeah go see it it's new um i don't want to give away too much maybe we didn't everybody dies i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> well, oh brandon brandon i was talking to brandon and brandon pointed out something and i completely agreed uh michael shannon's uh one of his last lines uh i don't want to spoil what it is it, it doesn't feel right it just feels odd and out of place but that's all i have to say you good yep good If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? Clean that lab, you get out. This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. J'avoue, je n'ai bavé pas vous, mon amour. Avant d'avoir eu vent de vous. The natives in the Amazon worshipped it like a god. Get him out. What are you talking about? No. You need to take it apart, learn how it works. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Elasa. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. If I told you about her, what would I say? I wonder. Sound. 
the next one uh, we checked out on Netflix is where we watched it. I refused to buy it uh, in the States because they didn't release a Blu-ray, and I'm not buying it on DVD. I'll import a Blu-ray eventually, but I watched it on Netflix. It's raw. It's a French film. It had a lot of buzz. It's a, a coming-of-age story. Uh and, it, and a lot of people are like, it's so messed up, it's so graphic. And when I'm watching this, I'm like, you know what? I don't think that France thinks this is as graphic as the Americans do. I think it's just a little bit of culture shock and, and you know, people seeing uh, where their food comes from or dead animals that bothers them to tremendous lengths or and stuff like that. Veterinarian right. school that bothers them. But uh, it's a coming-of-age story where a girl is forced in a hazing ritual to try a piece of uh, meat. She never ate meat in her life, and uh, this kind of mm, awakens something with inside her. And she's also going to school with her sister. So that's pretty much the storyline there. Raw was, um, it, it was good. Um, I thought that it was going to go into a completely different direction. And it more like didn't really take a direction. Like, like I keep on waiting, like I'm watching the movie and it's an entertaining movie and it's well done. Um, and, and I think I was just waiting for like, okay, here's where the conflict is or here's, here's what, you know, like, like, like a, like lifting up a curtain and, and the movie never does that. It just, everything's so matter of factly, I guess. And, I think maybe there's a twist in the ending, but like, okay, we kind of knew that like the 15 minute mark. Yeah, at, at a certain point when one of the reveals happens, the twist at the end is kind of obsolete. You're like, oh yeah, obviously. I mean, where else would this so-called awakening come from if it doesn't come from, spoiler, slight, I don't think it is, family lineage. Um but besides that, the best the best stuff is the interactions between the sisters. They're really great. The actress, the main actress, is tremendous. And uh, I'm, go, I'm watching this and I'm watching them go through college and the hazing and the parties. And I'm like, geez, Louise, man, is college really like that in France? Because the second <laughs> I come in and somebody's throwing my bed out the window because I'm a freshman, somebody's getting axed in the fucking head. Pardon my French, but I'm not gonna let people just trash my room. Anybody <laughs> knows me, touch my stuff. I'm like the guy from Stripes. Any any of you guys touch my stuff, I kill you. Oh yeah, that opening scene. Yeah, when they're wearing all the masks and stuff. I'm like, is this kind of like a, like a hostile movie? Or like a like what's going on? Is this like going to be like a hostage kind of? We invaded your. I'm like, what is this? Like, oh no, it's just it's just a party. It's just a Revenge of the Nerds hazing where we're throwing all your furniture out. Uh, but um, it's well acted. Like I said, it's well shot and uh, it has some surreal, cool moments into it. And uh, the stuff that they do uh, in the very beginning, they show this girl laying into the road, and that comes into play. I liked how they did that. I liked how it wasn't, you see a glimpse of something weird, and then you find out later what it is. Um, it is. It does have some moments of graphic violence. Uh, there's a point where a finger's eaten. That that part is cringeworthy, because yeah. the way it's done is great. Uh, the, you notice that the girl, right after the awakening, she almost loses all of her humanity. It's strange. Like, she's like, I believe that animals, you know, an animal raped would have just as much trauma as a human raped. And then after she tastes her blood, it's almost like she doesn't care about anything or anyone at that point. It's also mixed in definitely with like a sexual awakening as uh, the cannibalism is. Yeah, it's, yeah, sexual awakening. She, she says she's a virgin at one point, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. then, yeah. Um, no, it's it's a great movie. The all the actors I think were amazing. He, um, her roommate he he did an all right job. He, he's a good actor. Um, he's just not a very likable character. He's, right. a, he's not even a dislikable. He's just a bizarre character. He's yeah, a, biz very bizarre character. Um, I wouldn't say he's unrealistic. I would say he's probably too realistic for his own. Probably game. a bit too <laughs> realistic. Um, the the vet school I think was a good. It was a good location to shoot it. Like you could see the parallels, but I think they probably could have done more with it. I'll, I'll kind of slightly disagree with that because what I think makes this movie 
so extreme to American audiences, you know, there's a place where they, di- uh, what, what is it called when they, not dissect. Yeah, dissect. Autopsy. Autopsy of a dog. And that, and I, they look like real dogs. I don't know if they are. And there's a part where a, a woman reaches inside of like a, a cow and like for real and's pulling it out. And I think that's the kind of stuff that makes like audiences cringe. We're like, oh my God. And it's just like, this stuff happens every day. These are people's jobs. I don't know why you're cringing <laughs> at that stuff. Like this is like normal stuff. I think, and then like maybe the homosexual porn on the computer, just stuff that a lot of American movies wouldn't do kind of puts this over into something more extreme than I think it is. I don't think it's particularly extreme. I do... Is it is it like something like I know people are like the new French wave is back we're back with a new French wave and it's it's nowhere near as extreme as something like Insider Martyrs not to not to not a hit at it at all it's more of an art film but I don't think it's as arty as a lot of people said it was I think it's a lot more straightforward than a lot of people were saying it is but and I don't think it's trying to be arty I don't either. think so either like I think it's being it is arty but it's not like hey. All we're doing here is to go out and make like a an art film, and I, I don't think that's what they are. I think it's more straightforward, and I think it's it's solid. It's a good movie. I think that if you like coming of age stories or something like When Animals Dream, which was another one that came out a couple years ago, which a lot of people don't talk about, like a Scandinavian movie, which is similar to this but more monsterish. Uh, I check it out. I liked it. I mean, I would. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's a solid movie. It's not bad. It's it's good. I and it warrants your watch at the very least. Just. Yeah, that's the one and done, though, but yeah, good movie. one i actually have a copy of it is mayhem the 4k yeah uh i saw this at walmart and i grabbed it i, I love joe lynch uh uh it also has the guy from walking dead i think people will like him and what's the girl's name uh samara weaving she actually pops up in the babysitter too she's great in it she was pretty good she's my favorite part of the movie he was also in wasn't he in that um show heroes before the walk he might have been i never watched heroes but is, isn't Trek henry zabrowski in heroes he isn't here. Maybe I don't know. They made a Chrono Trigger reference in that show, so I, I kind of you know like that show. That's all I cared about. That's all I saw. But Mayhem is uh, Joe Lynch. We'll start with the director. He did uh, Everly a couple years back. He did Wrong Turn Two, Knights of Bad Astro, and part of the Chill Rama segment. I used to listen to his podcast. Joe Lynch seems like a really cool guy. Actually, I, I really liked Everly. I really liked Wrong Turn Two, despite not liking Wrong Turn One. So uh, I put this in, and I was like, okay, well, we're going to get an infection movie. It's going to be high-paced. It's going to be gory. It's going to be fun. And that's exactly what it freaking is. Uh, these people get trapped in an office. There's this disease going around. It's kind of common, but it makes your inhibitions. You lose everything. You get go nuts. And uh, some guy had it. He killed somebody when he was on it. He walks scot-free. This whole office building uh, with a lot of bad blood in it gets infected, and they have eight hours to you know get cured before. So everybody runs a, a, a ruckus in this, and it's played out like a video game. Yeah, um, the, the open it. This is the office where this takes place, and is the office is is the legal office, but actually, 
cleared the man yes, yes. that got away with murder, essentially, and so... It's just desserts for these people exactly. in a lot of ways, which is kind of a nice little touch to it. Uh, I, I like uh, First and foremost, it's fun. It's it's not going to be a movie that you're like, that really had a deep message, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like... I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to think about this for days. You may forget about it next year, but I'll tell you, when you're watching this movie, it's vastly enjoyable. Laugh out loud, uh, violence, uh, you know, it's not the violence that you're like, you know, this, it's making you, it's not good for you. It's like junk food with the violence, (laughs) but it's uh, very cathartic because the lead in here is trying to get back at the boss who is a complete and utter stereotypical uh, multimillionaire uh, CEO douchebag type kind of character. And he's a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I like, I think it would have been better, better if it was like a bigger actor, like a better presence than this guy, but he does really well. And some of the stuff, his weapon of choice is a golf club. Perfect. Yes. Golf club and cocaine. So, <laughs> uh, there's a beautiful line in this movie. I actually think it is in the trailer where, um, he says something along the lines of, anybody who kills this guy gets $150,000. And one of the ladies says, we're talking about murder here. It should at least be 450000 <laughs> And I laughed out loud. Like that kind of stuff. They basically kind of do like a raid thing or a Judge Dredd thing where they have to go. he has to go up each floor and fight a new mm-hmm. villain, a new boss. And like I said, it's in that way it plays like a video game. And each floor has its own, you know, obstacles and bad guys. Yeah, each floor has like a central... We got to get this guy to get the key card to get this guy to get the it's a whatever video game. Yeah, it, it is like a video game. I mean, hands down. Um, each of the I guess I would call them floor bosses. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, each each one of them is like super amazing. Uh, there's no. the HR guy. The or yeah, HR guy. And what's the girl? I don't know, but she's I don't know what she does. She's but an she animal. was amazing. They she, call her the snake or something. Yeah, the siren. The, the siren. siren yeah. yeah, she was. She. Was, I wanted the strangler. Yeah. In fact, most of the people in this movie, I wanted the strangle. Besides the lead, the two leads. Uh, the girl in this movie is basically uh, tags along for the ride because she was trying to get her grandma's house back or something like that. So they wouldn't foreclose on it. And uh, when she gets infected, she's hilarious. She loves every second of it, and she does such a great job. She's she's hilarious. And uh, I don't want to say this as a bad thing, but I, I feel that female characters are not necessary. They, they never make them funny and they don't, they always make them like, they don't give them a lot of good roles. I think they get a lot of crappy roles and I think this is a great role for her to play. And I think she did a great job. I, I like to see, you know, people get to play roles. I don't think that a lot of people wouldn't get to play. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. She, she like, they, they gave her the role and it's like, kind of like, you know, just do what you kind of want to do. I mean, you know, you got this disease, you, it's, you have no inhibition. You just, just, do what you gotta do, and she she kills it. Honestly, you know what I'm trying to say though. Like I'm just trying to say that I feel that like a lot of female characters don't get to be funny. I agree. Like the the humor is either pointed at them and not right. because of them. Like they're not actually being funny. And I think she's actually hilarious in this. She and is it's hilarious. really refreshing to see that. Yeah, and just, just, even like her her movement and body language, her delivery, she she, she's, she's top she notch. kills it. Yeah, I um, think. I, that's all I have to say about it. It looked great on 4K. Um, there was um, there's a commentary on here with Joe Lynch. Joe Lynch has a cameo in it. Very funny. Uh, it's just really fun. You'll have a blast with it. I didn't get to see the Belco experiment, but uh, you guys will enjoy this one. If you like uh, infection movies, if you like uh, violent infection movies, um, I wouldn't call it a zombie movie. But you know, It's also great that there's a countdown. This is going to end yeah. soon. So it's like a game of death as well. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff going for it. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Glenn from Walking Dead thought when he was like, I'm going into this and then this fucking one now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like another zombie type thing, survival situation. Well, I think uh, 
this movie's cool just because, like, if you ever, like, worked in a, in a setting, especially where you have to deal, like, something's wrong in your workplace and you know it, and you realize it's really hopeless to correct or remedy, the movie, like, in a sense, way, it, it, it just, that's what the movie is about, is, like, you have no control over the workplace, you see shit happening. Can I say shit? Yeah, I said that for it, I think. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it, you lose, you, you have no control over it, and... It, it it's funny because this you know they get this disease and it's like okay I can actually take matters into my own hand and kind of like right all the wrongs that I've been feeling for yes years it, it's a good movie it's also cool that they do these paintings that pop in yeah. every once in a while that's cool and they introduce the characters like a fast cut it doesn't feel like it's from this time frame anymore even though there's a movie also on this list with the actress uh, Samara and does that kind of stuff too so I guess that maybe it's coming back yeah maybe. That's all I have to say about uh, mayhem. We're witnessing a model citizen here transformed into a brutal, bloodthirsty killing machine. Welcome to the home of Towers and Smythe Consulting. TSC is a firm fueled by greed, duplicity, and moral decay. I'm gonna need some scouts. What the hell are you doing? Firing you. I'm not leaving this building until I plead my case. Sure. Good luck with that. What the hell is going on? Say hello to the ID7 virus. Stress hormone levels rise, causing inhibitions to drop and basic instincts to rise to the surface. All traces of the virus should be eliminated in approximately eight hours. What are we supposed to do for the next eight hours? Try to remain calm. Hey, extreme measures, right? This is our shot. I'm offering 150 grand for Cho's head. You're talking about murder here. You should be offering at least 450. Yep. You want to do this the hard way? You're enjoying this, aren't you? I just kicked his ass! <laughs> this one, man. The Evil Within had a lot of buzz. Um, people were talking about it. Uh, it's on Net. Uh, if you want to watch it, it's on Amazon. That's where I watched Amazon Prime. I didn't buy it again because no U.S. Blu-ray. Not buying it. Uh, I might import the German one. But The Evil Within, this this is one of those movies where the story about it might even be more interesting than the movie itself. Uh, the guy was a millionaire a businessman who made this movie a director. He made it over like 10 years, and then uh, I think he died, and then they kind of patched it together and released it. I'm not necessarily sure. He died because it was uh, complications from drug abuse, like crack or crystal meth or some heavy-duty drug. So that's how the man passed away. And uh, this guy had some demons, I'll tell you that. This guy had a lot of freaking demons. Uh, the Evil Within, man, It's it follows the story of two brothers. One is mentally handicapped, and... Uh, he starts to be manipulated by this kind of dream demon who's played by Michael Berryman who looks absolutely insane and a lot of makeup and stuff in here. Uh, why I love this movie, um, 
there's a couple things that always kind of freak me out. Mirror tricks uh, from my childhood, Poltergeist 3 with the mirror tricks always freaked me out. There's a lot of crazy mirror stuff going in here. Uh, it's the idea that somebody who has a weak mind is being manipulated by something else is absolutely terrifying. Uh, nightmare logic in here to a T. And uh, just absolutely terrifying in a lot of ways, but also unfinished and uh, a little inept. Yeah. Yeah, very, yeah. Towards the ending. Yeah, it feels like they, you know, we didn't get 15 minutes of movie. Right. Um, Sean Patrick Flattery's in it. Uh, Diz from Starship Troopers is in it. And uh, the lead guy, the guy who plays the mentally handicapped guy, is uh, Bern Schillinger's kid from Oz, Andrew <laughs> Schillinger. And, uh, you know, in Oz, he's fine. He plays a drug addict. And this one, I think he does a tremendous job. I, I was like, wow, man. The way he, you could tell his moves and his walks, mm -hmm. he, it's like this guy, I think he went somewhere and like studied everything. I think he was great. A lot of people might disagree, but I think he was phenomenal in it. I think he was great. Um, there's certain scenes where, I don't want to give anything away really, but he has to turn his mentally deficiencies on and off in like a single shot multiple times, yes. and he does it really well. Um he has an alter ego in the mirror. Yeah. And it starts to manipulate him. And there's a couple scenes in this movie where it's like, take the mirror if you want to see how I really look and put it in front of the other mirror, the hallway mirror. And you look down layers and layers and all these uh, these tricks. And then you mm -hmm. see like Berryman standing out in the middle of it. And he looks horrifying. <laughs> He's like this creature, this demon. There's a couple moments. I actually watched the trailer and there's a part halfway through the trailer that made me be like, stop the trailer, start the movie. Um, there's scenes in here that actually scared me. Like, yeah. the first five minutes of the movie, my mouth was like this. And the special effects, they're weird. They're homemade. They're, like, stop motion at times, I think. Yeah, it feels like something that would be... I don't know. It's just something like they're, they're really ugly. And they're really disturbing. And it feels like, kind of like... If anybody remembers, like, early Adult Swim kind of stuff. Just, like, just really kind of messed up, like, Xavier Renegade Angel shit. If anybody's ever, you know, been in high school or college and experimented with drugs and, you know, had yeah. a bad trip, not that I'm condoning that, but, uh, don't. you know, psychedelics or something when you're, like, 18, 19 years old and uh, you take too much because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. 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 It felt like that. And then at one point, like when it's showing everybody out in the broad daylight and everything, it's like, hey, it's a cheery little town. It's shot completely flat. It's all bright. I'm like, and then it'll get like two different locations. I'm like at the restaurant or at the house. And then we'll go back to the brother who's like got these problems. Mm -hmm. And at, at first, when you first meet him, like after the initial nightmare sequence, he's like talking to his brother. He's like, you just want to go see that girl to get ice cream. He's like, no. And he's like adorable. <laughs> you're like, oh, poor little guy. And then as the movie progresses, you're like, what the hell? You just start really creeped out by him. And as you learn more about the two characters, uh, you understand why he's doing this, or maybe it's bullshit. You don't really know what the hell happens by the end of this movie. I guess you can guess, or alternate realities. You're not really mm -hmm. sure. Uh, but I know it's probably the cheapest, one of the cheapest movies on the, that I watched this week, or one of the most failures, I guess a failure. But it actually is one of the only movies that has genuine scares in it that are yeah. terrifying and i think that comes from the guy's background gotta have some a lot of haunting demons not if it's not finished maybe it's just completely different it's just such a weird bizarre movie and like maybe it's like a faulty movie and the fact that this doesn't necessarily make any fucking sense but it's got some really great scares in it which makes it some of my favorite stuff to see i think i think the story like like the actual like real life scenario stuff it, it, it it's very real it's you know people have you know family members that they kind of have to take care of for whatever reason 
and with the added supernatural elements, it just takes what's, what, what is ultimately very relatable and just, like, horrifies it. And it it does a really good job. And, yeah, it's unfinished. But um, I, I'd say of the four movies that I'm reviewing with him, it's probably my number two behind Shape of Water. <laughs> it is it's worth watching, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. When you look at something like Mayhem, it's slicker. It's better. Yeah. But I might not watch Mayhem ever again. Right. But when I look at Evil Within, I'm going to say, hey, man, you got to check this one out. Right. Because I'll think about it. You know, and uh, I, I guess I wish this guy would have got to make more movies. I guess he wish he, I wish he would have got to complete it properly. Um, and also, you know, Kim Darby's in it from True Grit. I looked her, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's the lady from True Grit and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, so it's got some recognizable faces. But I, I will say that the first two acts, I think, are a little bit better. than. But the final moments in the third yeah. act, maybe the second act's the weakest. The first act's great. The third act's great. The middle one, I, there's some time in there where I'm like, I don't, I'm a little mm-hmm. bored. Like, but, but that's the normal life stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else pops up in this movie that really, I was trying to think I had something that I wanted to talk about. What's that guy's name? Matt McGrory? He pops up in it. Who passed away like two thousand like four? Is that weird looking guy? The big tall guy. Yeah, yeah. With uh, what uh, he had some uh, not giantism, but something similar to that. He pops up in it, which was crazy to see him in there. He's been dead for over a right. decade now. So I mean, you, this shows you how long ago it was made. Uh, the credits are the craziest damn thing you ever seen. The, the the ending of this movie feels like a a twisted tale from the crypt. Yeah, for sure. But uh, hats off to the lead in this movie uh, playing like almost three different roles mm-hmm. playing that kind of like i don't want to spoil it but he does such a great job and barryman's really tremendous in it as well uh, something about nightmares and mirrors and you know i don't want to say it's nightmare on elm street style because it's not it's just dark uh you know what it reminded me of remember that movie beyond dreams door something that low budget balloon yeah yeah that's okay. what it reminded me of beyond dreams door which is a low budget movie but the evil within if you got Am- if you got that uh, amazon prime or anything, just check it out. It, I think it's well worth your damn time. I really like it. If you weren't to show anybody a movie, show them that one. Just <laughs> At like, least the first ten minutes. Yeah, because because everybody's going to see Mayhem or or not. You know, Mayhem's going to be like it'll be it'll be around. But like if if you're at a party or at a friend's house and you happen to have that movie, it's like, hey, turn this on. You just know, screw them up a little bit. Yeah, just to scare them a little, make them feel alive. Yeah. yeah. That's all I have to say about The Evil Within. I'd, all four of those I'd probably recommend, though. Yeah, all four of them. Ultimately very good. You know, I don't. I never give ratings, but if I would say... Uh, I don't know. I, you would pick Shape of Water, Evil Within, Mayhem, then Raw? Yeah, Shape of Water, five-star movie, out of five. Uh, what is it? What's the second one? What's that movie? Evil Within, yeah. Uh... To me, it's probably like like no no. <laughs> in reality, it's probably like a two and a half star movie. But for me personally, it's it might be like a three and a half or even a four star movie. Mayhem three stars and Raw okay maybe four. Yeah, because I remember how much I liked it watching. I don't know. I got the first three at four. I I mean I got Mayhem, Shape of Water, and Evil Within at four out of five because I was feeling generous. I guess I don't know if I rewatch it, maybe not. And I got Raw at like three and a half out of five. Well, I don't actually review movies, so I don't know what my criteria yeah. are, and they're going to change like in ten minutes anyway. And then uh, Raw, Raw's a three star movie. Yeah. Okay, so in order: Shape of Water five, Evil Within four, Mayhem four, Raw three. All right, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Watch the Evil Within trailer and have it's some good. nightmares. Yeah. 
A dream is a story I tell myself, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of saying it, I guess. Well, if it's a story I tell me, how can I trick myself? You think someone else is telling you these stories? It has to be. Someone like... I control your dreams. I can handle the nightmares. You haven't yet had a nightmare. What are you hiding? Why are you lying? We have to stop the nightmares. We have to fix our brains. Drinks, buddy? How can you stay awake all night? Mirror, I hate no, Dennis. And I'm no. gonna break the mirror right now. No, no, hey, 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 John! There's a crime in progress. No! When you're sleeping at night, I'm the one who whispers in your ear. Q&A. We have Thomas Townsend. What are your top three films you're looking forward to in 2018? I don't even really know what's coming out in 2018 exactly, but I'm looking forward to ones I didn't get to see in 2017 that came out in uh, uh, that, that are going to be widely released in 2018. My Friend Dahmer, Tragedy Girls, and Let the Corpses Tan. Let's say that. Jonathan Wilhelm, if you could grow somehow grow a celebrity mustache, which one would it be? Mine is a toss-up between Tom Selleck and Sam Elliott. I love those choices, but I'm going to have to go with Burt Reynolds. I know he doesn't have the best mustache, but if you had Burt Reynolds' mustache, you just know you'd be way cooler, right? Burt Reynolds is that freaking cool. Uh, what do we got? Nick Mua, you enjoy movies from other countries. Which country's movie industry haven't you explored yet but would really like to? I haven't seen really much from India. I'm terrible. I'd like to see some stuff from India uh, for sure. Do you enjoy the films of Eli Roth? As you probably know, he did a cannibal movie a while back. I enjoy some of his movies. I like Hostel 1. Hostel 2 is okay. Liked Cabin Fever. Hate Green Inferno. A knock, knock. I have mixed feelings on. Love part of it. Okay on some of it. Uh, Green Inferno, I think, is a turd. I think it's atrocious. I don't think it feels like he didn't even understand the cannibal genre, which is weird to me because he obviously does. But I'm just like, are you sure you like these movies? That's just me. But his other stuff, I'm fine with. I don't know the guy personally or anything, but uh, I enjoy quite a bit of his movies. Jonathan Gagne, what are a few horror titles that you are still waiting for some company to rescue from VHS obscurity? You know what? I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to walk over here and read them off the rack. I have a VHS rack. Let me see. I'm wearing sweatpants. Yep. It's, it's a sweatpant kind of day. Let's see. Some stuff that I'd love to see hit Blu-ray. Nightlife. Here's one. I know this is kind of bizarre for you guys. Let's just go Nightlife. Robot Ninja is going to come eventually. Project Metal Beast, that's not hit DVD or Blu-ray. Spellcaster. Here's two. Hell, here's three. Let's go three. Three movies. I don't know how obscure they are, but we got The Supernaturals. This is the Embassy tape. I always thought this was a cool movie. Spellcaster, which is on Laserdisc. I always thought was a cool movie. 
It's an Empire movie. And Nightlife. This one's still sealed from RCA. I have some fond memories of this movie. It's Scott Grimes, zombie movie. Been a long time since I've seen it. Those are three that, off the top of my head, I did. I just ran over there and those ones I liked. Uh, do you take part in Vinegar Syndrome's yearly package? Corey ends. No, I, uh, I do not. I wish I did. I buy all their Blu-rays, but I do not take part uh, in their yearly package. I also go to Wasteland, so I buy from them twice a year in person. I love doing that. James Grimmer. For movies that have multiple sequels, do you skip the sequels if you if you hear they're not as good as the first few movies, or do you end up checking them out out of curiosity? Some I do. I think I've watched up to the Six Hellraiser movie. Uh, I think that was enough. You know, I hit a breaking point. I watched up to the fourth show of the Corn movie, and I was like, I'm done. But if it's an old movie, like an old series, like Friday 13th, I watched all those, stuff like that. Uh, the newer ones, you know, I don't watch that many sequels. Don't watch that many newer uh, movies that ha end up having sequels, to be honest, anymore. There's not that many. Brian Baker, my question is, what a, what's a genre film that you aren't too familiar with? What's a genre of film that you aren't too familiar with and would like to explore more of? Are there any films within that genre you have seen that you really enjoyed? Samurai movies. I am terrible with samurai movies. I don't know much. I haven't seen much, but I know that they directly inspired westerns and were directly inspired by John Ford. So it's like they directly inspired spaghetti westerns and were inspired by John Ford, Kurosawa, and stuff like that, Kurosawa. So I want to see a lot of samurai movies. I want to see a lot of kung fu movies, stuff like that I'm just terrible with. I need to see more of those. Uh, Christopher Dallier. I, I mean, I have seen some kung fu movies, uh, more of the Americanized one, and enjoyed those. Um, I'd like to see more, uh, you know, uh, Hong Kong and Chinese action films, too, as well. And I'll say I like Killer and Hard Boiled. Those are great. So I'd like to see more stuff like that. Um, Christopher Dallier, what is the goriest film that you've ever seen? Probably Dead Alive. I mean, I've probably seen Gorier, but nothing that stands out. Nothing worth remembering. I mean, some of the zombie bloodbath movies are really gory. Olaf Hiddenbox gory. Um, Non-stop blood explosions, stuff like that. Nah. I always get that answer. Dead Alive, man. It's got to be Dead Alive. Street Trash pretty gory. Seth Wallace, have you ever seen uh, Glauber Rocha's Antonio Das Mortes? No, I have not. Tell me more. I don't know about that. So I haven't seen it, so. <laughs>